Welcome to episode 17 of the podcast of Lifeliner, The Judy Taylor Story. I am the author, Shireen Chichiboy. Chapter 17 Barbecue Season Winter is long gone and the summer sun and barbecue season have arrived. My parents tell us we're going to visit one of Daddy's patients in the country and hustle us into the Blue Rambler. We soon leave the city and the wide 401 behind as Daddy drives up the two-lane highway. I look out the window as he rounds a bend, the little posts with their reflective tops popping alongside us. He's explaining about the strange grown-up Judy, who's his patient and how she's invited us all to a barbecue at her place. Froze is sitting beside me in the back of our car, and Mummy has Frida with her up in front, along with Judy's detailed hand-drawn map, complete with the location of the landmark Beehive. I pepper him with questions. How much farther? Does she have any children? Is it on a lake? Mummy tells me to settle down. We'll soon be there. I look out my window again at the azure sky and scraggly evergreen Ontario wilderness. Daddy slows the car as he turns onto a gravel road. Two horses are walking toward us, each carrying a girl with an unsmiling face and long, dark hair. I watch as they guide their horses to the side, noting the darkness within. Are they sad? Are they hostile? Girls look very old to me, and I wonder if they're Judy's children and why they're on the horses and not at the barbecue. But my thoughts are interrupted as Daddy pulls into a driveway in front of a small, one-story clapboard house. We tumble out, and I immediately hide behind him. A tall woman with short black hair and giant brown-tinted granny glasses and slacks and a horizontally striped short-sleeved top opens the door. A chubby, tan and white dog bounds around from the side. Hi, Jeej, she calls out, and walks over to where we're standing beside the car. Her spreading smile transforms her characteristic North American face. This must be Shireen, she says to me. I nod shyly but her spirit washes over me and soon I'm smiling back at her and stepping out from behind Daddy. She leads us into her home and gives a short tour. She opens a closet and shows me an alien-looking vacuum cleaner with black puffy bags hanging down from the top and a thin steel tank sitting on the bottom. My curiosity propels me closer. She introduces this contraption as Lester. She explains that this is where she eats. I stare and try to imagine how Lester feeds her. Would you like a cookie, she asks me. Yes, please. We all troop after Judy toward her tiny kitchen. She goes behind the white formica counter while we stay on the dining room side and takes out a tray of cookies from the oven and puts it on top of the stove. She slides a rack of cookies toward me across the counter. Go ahead, take a cookie. They're chocolate chip. Thank you. I pick up one of these rare treats and bite into it. Chocolate oozes between my teeth. I'm in heaven. Small, fits in the palm of my hand, chocolate and sugary sweetness, crunchy yet softly warm. I've never had anything so delicious. I know I'll have to ask Mummy to bake these. I finish my treat and Judy tells me to help myself to another. But my mother tells me we have yet to eat lunch and not to fill myself up. I pout. Quickly, Judy leads us out the back door to the lawn and the lake. She introduces us to the other adults, including Cliff, her husband. He is standing at the barbecue, its grill covered in burgers and hot dogs. What do you want? He asks me. I look up at Daddy. He nods. 
and I ask shyly if I can have a burger. Judy next introduces me to her daughter Miriam and shoes us off to play. Miriam asks if I want to see something. I nod, and she leads me out onto the dock. We look down through the clear lake water to the bottom. We see rocks and ripples of the sun and search for fish and turtles. From far off, I hear, Hey, Jeej, come help barbecue. It's not everybody that gets their doctor cooking for them, Daddy chuckles in return. Laughter bursts the air. I look over my shoulder to see my father flipping burgers, Miriam's father drinking a bottle of what looks like beer to me, and Judy and Mummy and other women sitting in woven metal-framed patio chairs on the small square deck. The other women, Judy had said, are people like her, people who also have lusters to feed them. I return to looking for fish and turtles under the dock until we hear the call that our burgers and hot dogs are ready. We race to grab them. Judy tells us to help ourselves to her salads on the table nearby. More adults have arrived, and I recognize a couple I used to see at the hospital when Daddy would take me along to pick up some work and check up on patients. The doctors, nurses, and Judy and her fellow non-eaters talk shop. When we're finished eating, Cliff asks, You want to go water skiing? I've never been water skiing before, and I want to go, yet feel nervous. I look at Mummy and she waves me to go, Come on, Miriam will show you, Cliff urges me. With a borrowed life jacket on, I watch Cliff pull Miriam around the lake, and then it's my turn. My feet hang off the dock, weighed down by these giant skis. I'll sink, I think. Cliff tells me to get down into the shallow water and let myself float with my feet in an angle to the water. I surprise myself by doing just that. Miriam and Froze get in the boat with Cliff and sit facing me. Judy can't get in the boat because it isn't safe for her to get wet. She watches us all from her chair. I hang on tight to the handle, and slowly Cliff throttles up the motor. I feel myself rising, water falling off me in sheets. My arms pull taut, and my feet surface and flatten on top of the water. The boat's wake rises up on either side of me, and my skis create their own wash as my body slices through the air, flying toward the other side of the lake. Cliff turns to follow the curve of the land that juts out to the left of the cottage. And I'm heading for the boat's wake willy-nilly. I tense. Can I bounce over such large waves? I do. I bounce back into the middle, and too soon he's steering the powerful boat back to the dock. As we return to shore, I see Judy beaming at us, sharing our enjoyment of this adventure. I'm wet and tired. The afternoon sun is waning, along with its warmth. I clamber out of the lake and race to the patio where my parents are sitting. Can we ski at the cottage? Please? We'll see, they reply. No amount of pleading will change their answer into an absolute promise. Besides, they say, it's time to go. I don't want to leave. Judy's good spirit has me in her grip and I find it difficult to detach myself. She hasn't stopped smiling ever, and her laughter has been the loudest and most contagious. She talks about doing this again next year since we all had so much fun. I grin at the idea, but still don't want to leave now. Next year is so far away. She seems to sense my disappointment and gives me another cookie for the road. Mollified, I climb into the car and settle onto the brocaded, blue-cloth back seat. Dad slams the door shut, gets in, starts a car, and backs it out as Judy waves goodbye until we're out of sight. Froze and I fall asleep. You have been listening to Lifeliner, the Judy Taylor story, a biography on a Canadian medical pioneer who made artificial feeding possible 
podcast by the author Shireen Chichiboy, one chapter at a time. Music used for this podcast is I Like It Like That by Steph Sachs and The King Is Back by Echoed, licensed under Creative Commons. They can be found at dig.ccmixter.org under Instrumental Music for Film and Video. I hope you enjoyed this chapter. For more information or to leave a comment, please check out the website at ggboy.ca or the Twitter feed at Shireen J. So until next time, thank you for listening to Lifeliner. I'm Shireen Gigi Boy. <laughs>